If Hay does not address these kinds of issues and do everything they can to mitigate them and improve their strategy, my prediction is that Hay will be shuttered or sold within three to five years. Hey, it's Rick Kettner here. And as you may have heard, the team behind Basecamp, the very popular project management solution, have created a brand new service called Hey. This is a brand new take on email, arguably the most interesting and exciting thing to happen to email since Gmail was first launched way back in 2004. That's actually something they reference on the website, and I tend to agree. I think this is a really interesting enhancement, arguably the most interesting change in email since Gmail was first launched. Now, what I'm going to focus on in this episode is the business perspective. Is Hay likely to succeed? Is it likely to fail? And most important of all, what can we learn from the launch of this new service and from looking at it from the outside? Now, I'm a big fan of Jason Fried and DHH, the co-founders of Basecamp. I've read a number of their books. I've really enjoyed their books. I've used Basecamp with previous businesses. And over the last week, I've had some experience with Hey, this new email client itself. And in my opinion, from based on what I've seen so far, I think it is a superior approach to email. I think it's a better product. I think it is a fresh, new, and interesting take and arguably a better approach for most people out there. But I think it's also safe to say just because you have a better product, just because you have a better service, that doesn't necessarily guarantee success. And in fact, what I wanna focus on in this video are three major issues with Hey, three issues that I think could prevent it from being successful. There's a product issue, there's a strategy issue, and there is a communication issue. So that's what I'm gonna be breaking down in this episode, starting with issue number one, very high switching cost. Anytime you're creating a disruptive product or service, that is a product or service that causes users to have to change their behavior or learn a new system or migrate data or processes from a previous solution to a new solution, you wanna be keenly aware of the switching cost. You wanna recognize the friction, the frustration, and the difficulty that customers are gonna have when moving from their previous solution to your new and better solution. Now, just to be clear, this in and of itself isn't a complete deal breaker. There are plenty of products and services out there that have found success even if they have a high upfront switching cost. But this is something you absolutely need to take into consideration when you're looking at your overall marketing strategy. And in the case of Hey, you want to acknowledge upfront that this is a service that has a high degree of switching cost. And as you'll see when we get to issue number two and issue number three, you're going to see how this problem compounds with the other problems that we'll talk about then. But with Hey, you have to change your email address, you lose your email history, or at least you can't import your email history from your previous client into Hay to have everything under one roof. You have to learn the new system. Even if it's a better system, you still have to put in the time and energy to learn and master the new system. And if you're moving from a free email client like Vanilla Gmail, you're now gonna be paying for email for the first time. So there is definitely an upfront switching cost here that you need to be aware of. And again, none of this is a deal breaker. Plenty of businesses out there that have found success even with these kinds of upfront issues, but you wanna be keenly aware of this and you wanna mitigate it if at all possible. Two things they could have done to mitigate this at least to some degree are number one, they could have allowed for custom domain email addresses. This is apparently something they plan to add in the future where you can use your own .com domain as part of your email address so that you can maintain your existing email address. But 
at present, this is not currently being offered. Number two, in an ideal world, it would be nice if they included some kind of an import tool to allow you to import or migrate data from Gmail or Outlook or some of the other very popular email services out there. That too, these two things in combination would have greatly simplified migrating or moving over from your previous email solution to Hey. Now, again, not a deal breaker, but as we move into issue two, you're gonna see how this becomes magnified and compounded by the marketing strategy that Hay is currently using. So let's jump into issue number two. No clear target audience. When you land on the hay.com website right now, as, as of the, the recording of this episode, the first two words that you will see on the page, not including the navigation bar, is hey everyone. Everyone, they're trying to appeal to everybody right from the start. This is a very common mistake, one that I've made many times, one that I see other startups making all the time. And the fact is, even if your product or service has broad market appeal, and it's something that truly is an immediate upgrade for almost everybody out there in the marketplace, it's still not an effective strategy to try to reach everybody all at the same time. One of the best books on this subject and one that I highly recommend that you read if you're creating disruptive products is Crossing the Chasm by Jeffrey Amor. This is the book as far as I'm concerned when it comes to creating and marketing disruptive products. Any kind of product that's gonna cause people to have to change existing behaviors or existing routines. So if that is a situation you're in, which is exactly what Hay is facing right now, the advice that they share in the book, that Jeffrey Amor talks about in the book, is that you wanna focus on one target audience. You wanna identify one group of people that are gonna benefit most from whatever it is that you're creating, and you wanna focus on building momentum with them. And another very important trait is you want this audience, whichever group that you select, to be highly referenceable. And what I mean by that is they should be a group that communicates with each other in some meaningful way. So you don't wanna just target an audience based on everybody having a similar trait or a similar preference or a similar behavior. You want to target a group that is likely to communicate with each other, to recommend products and services, or in one way or another, they're likely to communicate on a regular basis so that you can establish word of mouth momentum. The reason why this is so important is the fact that most people do not simply want to try new interesting products. They don't care if something's new. They don't care if something's better. They really don't care if it has an immediate improvement for them. They want proven solutions. They want things that are tried and true. They don't wanna have to deal with disruption or friction or some of the things that I talked about earlier, including high switching costs. They don't wanna deal with all that. To them, that's just screams of risk and disruption and what they want are proven solutions. So it's really important that you create momentum. And I love the way that Seth Godin talks about this, this idea of creating momentum in the market. He describes it as trying to help people reach the point where they think something along the lines of, people like me do things like this. People like me use this product. People like me love this brand. People like me use Hey as their email service. And you wanna create momentum so that Many people in a given category are using your product and recommending it to other people so that this state is reached, where people think of your product not as this crazy risk that they're taking, but as, okay, it's a painful transition, but this is the service that people like me use. I'm gonna put up with the upfront friction, I'm gonna go through that pain, because ultimately, based on what I'm seeing from everyone around me who's using this product, it's a better solution for people like me. So let me give you a practical example of how Hay might pull this off. One of their core features 
I say one of their core features. They cover 20 plus features on their website, which is another issue. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But one of the features that jumped out to me, at least, and actually the first one they listed on their features page was called the screener. And effectively what the screener is, is a system that by default, whenever you receive an email from an unsolicited sender, someone you've never communicated with in the past, by default, it doesn't hit your inbox, it gets screened, it gets set aside, and you can enter this interface whenever you want, and you can approve senders for future communication. So for example, somebody emails you for the very first time, you've never emailed them before, it gets screened, you go into this interface, you either approve that sender or you reject that sender. If you approve them, emails will come to your inbox or wherever you want to direct them. If you reject them, you will never receive email from that person again. So this is a really powerful tool for people that do not like to receive unsolicited email. So if this was the core feature of the platform, and I'm not saying that is the case, the team over at Hey might have different ideas for what is most important, but if they determined that this was the core feature of their platform, then what they'd wanna do is figure out a core audience that would benefit most from a feature like this. So some Potential audiences that come to mind, maybe investors, someone who is in angel investing or something like that, where for one reason or another, their email address got out there. Maybe somebody thought they were doing them a favor and shared their email address with people that were you know, trying to pursue or pitch them on business ideas. And suddenly their address is out there and they're getting all kinds of unsolicited email. Same might be true of minor celebrities, influencers, all kinds of people out there that they've been using email for a long time. Their address somehow got out to people and now they're receiving a whole bunch of unsolicited email. So instead of going to their inbox and just seeing interesting, relevant emails from people they know and trust, they're bombarded with all these unsolicited messages. Well, you'd want to identify one of these groups. So let's say investors as one potential target audience. And let's say you determined that a certain crowd of investors were highly likely to be referenceable, they would be able to talk to each other and express to each other that, hey, you know, maybe one of them jumped on, tried this service, loved it so much, and they would be raving about it to other investors. And these people would love the product so much that pretty quickly it became the gold standard for that audience. That's what we're trying to achieve here. And I love the analogy from Crossing the Chasm. They describe this as the D-Day attack on Normandy. If you want to invade an area, you don't try to invade everywhere all at once. You establish a single beachhead. You focus all of your resources, all of your time, energy, and money on establishing one beachfront and then expanding outward from there. So the same thing applies here. You want to win over one audience. You want to win over the hearts and minds of one group of people, and then you can move outward and capture more and more, you know, markets and segments that are tightly related and slowly you reach everyone. This happens to be the strategy that Facebook uh, pursued, whether intentional or not. They started with college campuses. They locked down individual campuses, slowly accepted more and more as they reached market share, overwhelming market share in the colleges they were already in. And they slowly captured a larger and larger audience before they eventually unlocked the service up to everybody. But this allowed them to build momentum. So that's one potential strategy. But the, the core idea here is you need to start with a clear target audience and you need your marketing language and everything that you're saying about your product or service to be custom tailored to that audience so that you can get over what I mentioned in the last issue, which is the high cost of switching. So you can convince these people this product or service is so tailored to you. It's perfect for you. It's worth the upfront work and effort it takes to switch. Let's move on to issue number three. And this is tightly related. No clear core feature. As I mentioned earlier, 
They literally cover 20 unique features of Hay on the website. Now, this too is a very, very common mistake. In fact, this is what tends to happen when you don't have a core audience. When you're trying to appeal to everybody, you have to talk about all your features because if you don't talk about all of them, you never know, you know which feature is gonna line up with which user. So if you don't have a target audience, you tend to slip into trying to talk about everything and try to press everybody, which ultimately means you're effectively communicating with almost nobody. A really fun story that is tightly related to this idea that involves Steve Jobs and a valuable marketing lesson. And this is one of the rare stories where Steve is on the learning end of the situation in terms of learning a marketing insight. This came from Insanely Simple, I believe, by Ken Segal, really great book. And this was a situation where Steve Jobs was in a marketing meeting with Lee Clow of Chiat Day, a really influential marketing agency. They've been working with Apple for a very long time. I think they may still be working with them. It's been an on and off again uh, relationship. But Lee Clow was sitting down across the table from Steve Jobs. And Steve Jobs was absolutely adamant that this new ad campaign talk about these five or six important features of the product. I think it was the iMac that they were talking about at the time, but he was insistent that the advertising campaign address each of these features. Otherwise, customers wouldn't realize just how different the iMac is from other solutions out there. And Lee was pushing back. And you know, if you know anything about Steve Jobs and what he was like, you know that this is not a great scenario to be in because Steve was pretty opinionated and really liked to push if he had a strong opinion. So. Lee Clow is sitting down and he decides to do a little demonstration for Steve. He takes a pad of paper, he tears away five sheets, he balls them up into five different paper balls and he says, Steve, catch. And he throws all five of the balls at Steve all at once. And of course, Steve catches none of them. And he says, okay, tears one more sheet of paper and he rolls it up in a ball and he says, Steve, catch. And he throws the single ball to Steve. And of course, Steve catches it. And the lesson here is if you're trying to pitch five or six, or in this case, 20 different features to someone, they're not going to catch any of them. Or if they do, it's going to be sheer luck, and it's probably not going to be the most important feature, the one that you really want to communicate with them. And so the lesson here is figure out the one core feature that is most important, that is most impressive for your core audience. And again, this is much easier when you've identified a core audience. If you don't have a core audience, this becomes significantly harder. But you find that one core audience, you find the one core feature, and here's where the magic happens. You let them discover the other 19 features that you think are so amazing about your product. You win them over with the one feature, you let them discover all the nuances of your product, you let them then impress their friends when they tell their friends about all these interesting and not necessarily as touted features when it comes to what makes the product or service so amazing. You rely on the word of mouth of your initial audience. You let them go into the nuance because when you have somebody land on your website, you have a very small window of time, a very limited opportunity to communicate what it is that's so unique about your product. And this comes back to that analogy with Steve Jobs. You have this opportunity to throw them one thing, Throw them the one most important feature about whatever it is that you've built. And once you've won them over, allow them to learn, discover, and share the other nuances in more in-depth conversations that they're likely to have with other related people, that those highly referenceable people that they're in close relationships with. But if you try to explain everything, you try to reach everybody, you try to talk about all of your features, you're really not gonna convey much of anything at all. So really important that you have one core audience and that you have one, maybe two primary features that you're trying to communicate. And of course, there's nothing wrong with 
explaining more of the features if people wanna navigate to secondary pages on your website. But when it comes to really communicating what you're all about on your homepage, in your primary message, you should be trying to target one audience with one core feature to win them over. So those are the three issues that I see when it comes to Hey and their approach to email in terms of their success. Now, let's dive into a bit of a prediction here. This one is tricky because Hey is in a unique position where they're backed by Basecamp, a company that has a huge number of customers, they have a big audience, they have clout, they're trusted, they have success, they've got two co-founders that are you know, established industry experts that have a huge audience in and of their, um, themselves. And so they're in a unique position. If this was coming from any other startup that didn't have all of this, my prediction would be really easy. This is dead in the water. It doesn't matter how great the service is. If they can't win over a single audience and expand outward from there, overcoming this friction is too difficult for most businesses unless they have a lot of money to throw at it or they have some of these other advantages. But even in the case of Basecamp, and being backed by Jason Fried and DHH and having this support and having this customer base and audience established, I still believe personally that if Hay does not address these kinds of issues and do everything they can to mitigate them and improve their strategy, my prediction is that Hay will be shuttered or sold within three to five years. And I say that again, believing personally that this is a better approach to email. It's a better product. I think most people, if they could snap their fingers and immediately be transitioned over with none of the friction or switching cost, it's great. But if they don't address these three issues, then again, I think that the service, unfortunately, will be shuttered or sold within three to five years. One of the core lessons from this video, if you take nothing else away from it, is this idea that having a great product, service, or idea is not enough. You have to make it easy for customers to value, adopt, and share what you've created with others if you're gonna find success. So that's it for this episode. If you got anything out of this, please let me know by clicking the like button down below. And if you have any questions, thoughts, or comments about anything that we covered here, please let me know down in the comment section. If you want more content like this, where we examine bold moves made in business and some of the practical lessons and insights that we can pull from those experiences, then I recommend that you subscribe or follow my updates so that you don't miss out on future episodes. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope to see you in a future episode.